When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. What up, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark? We're here. It's Wednesday. No Shane Beamer today. I'm guessing, Chris, the numbers aren't going to be quite as high today yeah. as they were on Monday. That, Shane brings the crowd. Uh, but that, that was good. If you, if you were not on uh, YouTube Live or if you haven't gone back and watched it, please go check out the interview. Um, I thought it was really good stuff. Uh, I think um, – with, with Shane Beamer, what you see is what you get. Very genuine interview. I, I thought uh, some really good stuff from him. So please go check that out. Uh, we want for him to, to be back on the show, and the best way to do that is for y'all to give some good feedback and, and make him feel like it was worth it. So, of course, this show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Columbia Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint. He is, of course, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network, in MLS number 71597, C. Hammond at com is the other way to contact Clint. And uh, all around great dude, super busy right now, but he will take time to get you get you figured out and, and find a way for you to save some money, either if you're buying a house or maybe you just want to refinance and save a little bit of money. He is our presenting sponsor here on the show, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate his support. So please just uh, give him a chance to you know earn your business. He's Chris. I'm Wes. It's GC Live. We're going to continue to, I would say, dive in. Some some of this was is going to be a little bit of a step back into the weekend. Maybe go a little more in depth on some of the guys that we, frankly, we were focused uh, on what we were getting from Coach Beamer. Um, we didn't maybe get to hit on the guys from the weekend as much as we normally would, Chris. Um, rightfully so. But uh, 
I, I want to get back in to uh, Javante McClendon, the pickup there, um, some other guys that took official visits and sort of where we think things are with that group that came in last week, uh, particularly those 10 that were in for the weekend. And so, Chris, I, I talked to Javante McClendon's new coach. And, by the way, if you um, if you want to go check that out, it's on GamecockCentral.com. Right now, you can go on there. Um, it's actually down the side. It's already We've had so much content lately, it's already been knocked down to the side. But if you scroll down, you'll see our interview with Keith Bearfield Jr. He is the new Lake Gibson High School head coach. Um, took over a couple of months ago as offensive coordinator, then very quickly got moved into the big, the big seat, the big spot. And, um, you know, so I talked to him yesterday, Chris, and he said, look, I, I really had not seen the kid play. Um, Javante McClendon, the new South Carolina commitment, committed to South Carolina on Wednesday, if you've been under a rock, and is a, a kid that he was like, he, he was banged up this spring, didn't really get to see him there. I'm an offensive guy. And, you know, he'd been hearing so much about the kid. He finally went back and sort of watched his film and then now has gotten a chance to see him play some seven-on-seven ball this summer. And uh, he said, man, this this kid is as competitive of a dude as his new coach has ever been around. So for, for a coach who's sort of first starting to get a feel for, frankly, his new players, the guys he's inherited – essentially um, his first thought was, Hey, this kid is a super competitive kid. And also his thought from a, a offensive coordinator standpoint was this is the guy I would be avoiding if I was calling plays. And, um, you know, I, I think you look um, McClendon in, in his words, in, in the coach's words is a little bit kind of a, of that throwback safety that brings some physicality. A lot of his film, and this is why it was interesting for me to hear his take on it, Chris. A lot of his film, you see the ball skills. You see him go get the football. You see him play some receiver. You see him make some big plays in coverage. But his thing was, look, this kid will knock your head off if you come into his area. So, um, Chris, we talked about him a little bit, but I wanted to run the film for everybody here. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the pickup of, of Javante McClendon? Yeah, I, th- I think the ball skills, that is what stands out. There's several things. Um, and honestly, the first thought when we kind of started tracking Javante McClendon, we knew that, you know, Torian Gray had a really good relationship. This is one of the guys, Wes, that when Torian Gray was hired at South Carolina, we kind of circled him. You know, you probably remember that, that, hey, this is a kid that Torian's going to be able to get in on and have a really good shot with. And he looks like a guy that can be a true safety for you. And, there's been so much discussion on this show, on our forums, on GamecockCentral.com, on social media, wherever it's been, about safety play at South Carolina, you know, for the past few seasons. Uh, even when Will Muschamp was at South Carolina, he would frequently say, hey, 2017, that was kind of our, our best year in terms of safety play. And after that, it was always a problem area for the Gamecocks for a variety of different reasons, and we won't relitigate on that on the show today. No need to do that. But the point is, uh, this was a need for them on the recruiting trail. All positions at defensive back, but really looking at a true safety type, something they needed to do. So McClendon can play safety. Looks like he can play nickel because he's comfortable in the slot. He's comfortable playing the alleys and run support. Uh, But he is a guy that can kind of sit back there. He can get his hands on balls. He can intercept passes and and make you pay. Um, Seems to know where to be. 
you know, all the time. And so is he going to really be a super, super flashy player? Maybe not necessarily, but he makes a lot of plays. Um, he will hit and he's in the right place at the right time. And, and so a true kind of safety looking uh, prospect for the Gamecocks. Ah, I can't believe I just did it, Chris. Ver- right <laughs> off the bat, the the all mute button gets us again. But a, a a true throwback safety is what I was trying to say. In that this guy will hit you. He uh, apparently he talks a little bit, which is one of those guys that you want. Probably if you're if you're playing receiver against him, you probably get a little bit of annoyed because uh, he's talking so much. But he's, he's the guy you want on your team. Essentially, is what his coach told me he's he's that guy that you sort of want to want to go into battle with and you know Carolina's needed some guys like that it's always it was very weird to me Chris that if you circle back and I'm talking on paper a bit when I say this but also in reality as well certainly on paper when Steve Spurry was here the lack of landing big time quarterbacks on paper for a, a large portion of the Steve Spurrier era. Obviously, you know, he and G.A. Mangus, this is actually mostly Mangus, I think, gets credit for going and finding Connor Shaw. Connor was a high three-star guy, ended up being the best quarterback in school history. But as far as going out and beating out big-time programs for a quarterback on a consistent basis, um, you know, Steven Garcia was out there. He was, you know, very highly recruited. That That was a big win fairly early in the Spurrier era. Connor Mitch at the end, super highly recruited guy. We know it didn't really work out on the field. Um, Dylan Thompson, very, very below-the-radar prospect that ended up having a huge year for South Carolina as a fifth-year senior. Point being, it was very weird that the quarterback position never attracted the sort of upper elite guys. Well, uh, Champ, I feel like, as especially as it went on, you know, he – he landed some some talented defensive backs along the way. Getting J.C. Horn cannot be overlooked. Um, getting Easy Mukwamu was was a nice get, but still not. He was not on the level as far as a prospect as as getting J.C. Horn. But so weird that the spot that Spurrier was known for quarterbacks, she didn't have those elite guys in a row. Muschamp, however, was able to land a four star quarterback almost every recruiting class that he was in Columbia. Um, I think Jay Yurick's class, Jay was a high three-star guy, actually, what would have been the, the one sort of um, that, that he didn't, and for a stretch there. Well, then, but the safety position, both, I would say both on paper and in reality on the field, uh, was not a spot that, that was ever fully just firmed up un, under Muschamp. And some of that, Chris and I, you you know, we've, we've talked, it's about the complexity of that system. I think, and what you what they put on the safeties at, at times, I think, was part of it. But, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see. It, it's going to be a weird trend if all of a sudden South Carolina has the, the DB's guru, you know, is no longer here, and then, boom, fixes their secondary. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really interesting, and, and we talked about that a lot, just, you know, off air when we're just having conversations about recruiting in a general sense is that um, – that was maybe the one thing about the Muschamp era that you could predict, right? There, there was a lot of different things that you could argue about. Will the offense get fixed relative to what it was at Florida or will this or that happen? And a, a lot of those points 
were arguable and, and you could argue one side or another. The one that seemed obvious was the defensive back position because you look at his background, you look at now Florida University of Florida typically has good defensive backs, right? Just kind of as a trend. That's one of those schools where it happens in state talent. It's just it just that's kind of the way it is. But you know, one of Muschamp's years there at Florida, I think I think it was like their whole three deep one year eventually made the NFL or something. It was just something silly. I remember seeing it a while back and it just really struck me. And so, you know, that was the area where you, you thought, okay, defensive back, because remember at the end of the Steve Spurrier era, everybody was going defensive back has got to get fixed, right? That was one, that was one era area. And so that was the thought and it didn't exactly work out that way. There, there were some acquisitions here and there. There were some weird things that happened um, for sure. But it's like, it's kind of like what class was that? 17 or 18 West, the Hamza Nazarul Dean class. After losing him, that would have been kind of that signature big time safety get. Didn't work out. And then after that, just a variety of things happened. And so it would be interesting. But I, you made this point, Wes. Torian Gray at Virginia Tech, at Florida, and he spent a couple stints in the NFL. He's typically, you know, taking care of his room in terms of recruiting guys to the room. And, and developing it. And so that's what he'll need to do at South Carolina. And fortunately they have at South Carolina, they do have that tradition spanning multiple staffs that they produce some defensive backs. And so it's not like the cupboards bare from that standpoint where you're having to just sell a dream to all these DBs, but Javante, Javante McClendon's a really good start in this class for a need position and several others on the board remaining. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think they're in a position, Chris, between the fact that, Torian Gray takes care of his spot, and the 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 situation they have to sell right now is frankly, hey, you can come in and play play really really early at South Carolina if you are a corner, if you're a safety, if you're a nickel, if you fit any of those spots, um, you know you can come in and play. And I I, I think there's actually there's actually frankly very few spots on the roster right now that if you're that that you can't sell that you know like most of the spots on the roster right now if you're good enough you can sell that even, you know, linebacker I'd put in that category, even on the defensive line where I feel like they have some good players. A lot of those good players have very, are very quickly upperclassmen. It seems like they just got here. Some of them, um, Zach Pickens is a junior now and Igbari is a senior now. I mean, Sterling, you know, he's in his second time as a senior. So there's an opportunity there for guys to come in and play at all of those positions. Speaking of that, a guy, I don't know if we got into at all, on Monday, if we did, it was very briefly. I think maybe it was just just briefly. But um, the kid from Kansas, and I, I'm going to let you butcher his name, Chris. Do you know how? To, do you know the exact pronunciation? No, or, I, I don't. I'll be glad to butcher it. Karan Pruny. I'm going to say it with confidence. Karan Pruny. That's what we're going with. There it is. <laughs> but uh, he he, I don't believe was counted officially is an I don't think he's an official visitor he was he wasn't among the 10 we originally counted we'll, let's say it like that Beamer has said hey we had 10 in so there were 10 guys not counting Prunty but Chris this is the type of dude that I don't want to say any one person just fixes a position it's not like that but has some actual FBS experience has played at a high level was a freshman All-American at Kansas um, someone that they had an absolute they, – they got an absolute steal getting this kid out of Virginia. Um, he was so, – so some background here, first of all. 
he was a, first of all, he was just a track guy. He's kind of a track guy playing football, very raw as a football player. Kansas finds him, takes a chance on him, gets him committed. And then Virginia, Virginia Tech are like, oh crap, this, you know, this, like, this is very late. They're like, man, this kid, this kid is, this kid could be really good. Um, late bloomer on the football field. And then he comes in, continues progressing as a football player, quickly makes a big impact at Kansas. And then my man is like, I'm in Kansas. I'm getting the heck out of here. Um, hard to blame him. And now, you know, South Carolina's saying, look, dude, we've got a brand new staff. We've got a brand new defensive backs coach who's put some dude in the leagues. And South Carolina's saying, we got a chance for you to come in and start right away opposite of Cam Smith. So, um, I, it's a great story for South Carolina to sell. From my feedback that I got, Chris, was A, it went really well. They gave the kid a ton to think about. B, but also as positive as it was, the thought process from the South Carolina end is not really sure where else he's going. You'd assume the Virginia's, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, he's from Virginia. You'd assume they're circling back if they're smart. Um, there was some Ohio State involvement there. There was possibly some Penn State involvement. But the kid, he hasn't done an interview with us. I haven't seen interviews with other companies out there floating around either. Nobody has a great idea of two things. Where is he going to visit? And then B, when's he going to decide? So uh, South Carolina, I think, really gave him something to thought, to think about based on the feedback we're getting from like this end, from the South Carolina end. Um the other feedback I got was that this dude is the real deal. Absolutely would help South Carolina right away. And here's the other thing, Chris. He's a transfer, but he has loads of eligibility left. Last year doesn't count. So you're getting a guy with a full like freshman eligibility, but actually has experience. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really – uh, would be a really neat deal for South Carolina. And that's the thing. I mean, you, you nailed it. There's some mystery to all this with Crom Prunny. But um, what we do know is, like you said, South Carolina, if you're looking for opportunity as a defensive back, if you're looking to go somewhere and play against really good competition, high level, and you're looking to play early, you, you don't see, okay, here's a junior and a senior that are starters or five starters in the secondary that are absolutely set and they're going to the NFL after this season. Like you don't see that. And so um, there's a big opportunity for him to step in. And the other thing is something that Shane Beamer's even said, when you look up in that Virginia area that they're going to start, they've been hitting hard on the recruiting trail. That's where he's from originally. And um, South Carolina is pretty close, right? Like when you're looking at the SEC, they're still a close program. Some of those other ones, uh, that ha- have been recruiting and may jump in on them a little bit farther away potentially and, and maybe not as much opportunity. So we don't quite know what he wants to do, where he's going to go. One, one thing that I picked up, Wes, in addition to all this was the thought is that, yes, does he does he need to make a decision kind of soon? Like is the clock ticking? Yes, because if you're coming into play somewhere early, you need to get somewhere and, and get started. Uh, but you've also got the fact that, this kid went way under recruited out of high school. Now you got people, the, the level of, of play that he should have been at out of high school. Those are the kind of programs going after him now. And so he's going to take his time and do some due diligence on the, on these programs 
is kind of what I picked up. Now, when is that? Is that two weeks or is it a month? I don't really know yet. So, so we'll uh, we'll keep tracking it. We'll find out there, and there's no there's no shortage of things to track right now. So we'll see we'll see what comes up next. We'll see what he's considering. But hey, you know, if you're South Carolina, that that's a state state of Virginia. You got to think uh, whether it's with him or, or other prospects. With Beamer's ties there, you're still a close SEC school to the kids in that state. Again, you have a, an opportunity for playing time. You got to think that's an area. And, and Torian Gray himself, um, you know, having coached at Virginia Tech for a number of years, I'm sure has longstanding ties in that state. So you would think, again, whether it's him or other prospects, that that's a state South Carolina probably ends up having a, a little bit more success in than maybe they have had in the past. Um, Let's see who do we want next, man. Let's let's hit one of my favorite prospects in this class, both from an on the field standpoint and from a standpoint of just um, the way he carries himself. Great kid, great family. C.J. Smith. Uh, it's a kid I've talked up a lot in the past. We've talked on the show about his speed, um, national level speed. On, you know, on track the one hundred, the two hundred. Chris, um, I think in our previous situations i had talked to cj smith after the official you caught up with cj smith had really good feedback i have received some further feedback after the visit that um, basically has said hey look florida has been sort of the team we have circled for for a while as being south carolina's biggest competition maybe is maybe is still the case right could that very easily could be where he ends up and if you're South Carolina, this is one of those big boy recruiting battles. You got Florida involved, you got Alabama involved, Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas. SEC kid, right? He's you know, all five are SEC schools. But I, for, for one, my biggest takeaway from what he told you was the emphasis on track and how much being able to succeed in both sports is going to play into this. Not a situation where uh, I'm a football player, but I like to run track on the side. Felt to me like, I'm going to succeed at both and the team that's going to give me the chance to do that. The school that gives me the chance to do that is where I'm going. And B, I just, I don't think Chris, this is the kid that's going to just choose a biggest logo. Like he seems to be a little, he has a little bit more depth to how he's going through the process. Um, Talk to somebody close to him. They said, look, it's, it's about the fit. And we hear kids say that, from time to time. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes they just say it, but I just get the sense that him and his family are like earnestly going through the process and whichever one feels the best is going to be where he ends up. Yeah. And it's interesting. You said that it's hundred percent true that, you know, it's funny because he's got like, he's not looking at the logo yet. Some of the biggest logos in college football are after him. And that it's just, it just happens to be that way. But you know, if he picks Bama or Georgia, it'd be because, again, he like you said, man, he thinks that's the best fit. He likes the, the dual sport aspect of it. But I, I think a broader, like, big picture thought that I had when, when kind of looking at C.J. Smith and assessing where things are with him, he is an example of the kind of guy for South Carolina that you need to get for a couple reasons um, and that may be, may be more attainable than some other similar, similarly talented prospects at this stage in the program's development. And what I mean by that is you need a guy like C.J. Smith because all the whole SEC is after him. 
He's one of the fastest prospects in the country. What does he tend to in the 100 West? He can absolutely fly, right? And he's a great kid. He also kind of fits what Shane Beamer wants this program to be. You have a certain appeal there with the fit, CJ, a lot of the things that he's kind of looking for, aside from the track football thing, the off-field stuff, what is the feel, the environment that he's looking for, it kind of fits right now what Shane Beamer has kind of created at South Carolina in terms of culture and what he wants the program to be. So I guess what I'm saying is at this point, Wes, I think South Carolina needs to find some guys that will buy in, and you're more likely to get a guy like CJ to sign up for what you're trying to build when he thinks this way, if it's a big time prospect who just says, I want to pick the biggest logo, you're probably not getting a ton of those guys at this point, right? Until you ultimately you want to enhance your logo and have a great culture. And and then you're going to be able to pick and choose a little bit more in recruiting. But I think with, with someone like CJ, someone like Nicholas Harbor from the 2023 class that we interviewed the other day, you know, Super talented guy, 6'5", 220, runs a 10-3-8, can play multiple positions. But kind of what how he's structuring his recruiting, what he's looking for, is kind of what Shane Beamer wants the program to be, the things that they talk about a lot. So I think just as a broad point, that's what South Carolina needs to go after, and, and that's where they have a chance at landing some impactful guys like C.J. Smith, who's a super talented dude. Yeah, super talented. To me, to me – C.J. Smith might as well be a five-star as far as what South Carolina is looking for right now. On the field, off the field, positionally, um, type of kid he is, the fact they need to add more speed to their roster, just it, it all matches up. And so if they can pull him off, to me, you know, every every recruit, you know, you can have a guy that's a four-star, but maybe as far as a need at a particular place, he's even more valuable as a player and as a person. To me, that is what C.J. Smith is. And this is really, you know, it's an opportunity. There, there's a lot of little battles here. It's an opportunity maybe if, if if Justin Stepp can pull off a few of the battles that he's in right now, there's an opportunity here for South Carolina to really sort of bring in a class of guys who I think can play pretty early for, for the Gamecocks and, and sort of reshape that receiver room, you know, as, as things go forward. So, all right, again, there were 10 guys on campus. Chris, two of them were already committed. So, um, you know, we won't necessarily go into those guys. McClendon would, would be a third who's obviously now committed. Uh, we talked about him already. We talked a bit about C.J. Smith. I would say, so I'm going to go down the list here. Three guys are now committed. We just talked about C.J. Smith. I would say the guys I think South Carolina um, has both helped themselves the most with and are still – um, confirmed to be pursuing these guys extremely hard would be your Ryan Brubakers of the world. Yeah, I would put him in that category. I think I put C.J. Smith in that category, though. It's just going to depend on these final visits, right? I mean, it depends on how the Bama visit goes. How, how hard does Bama push? Bama is elite of the elite. They can, they can, for lack of a better way to say it, they can sort of string guys along to the end as far as if they're going to push or not. Similar, same same exact sentence can be said for Antonio Kite, the DB from Alabama. If Alabama comes in, pushes really hard, Saban doesn't lose guys in state. Uh, certainly not to he's lost maybe a guy here to Clemson, but to, to most programs, Saban does not lose in state guys. 
But Antonio Kite, a guy I think you look at and say, South Carolina made a huge move for him this weekend. Go down the list. The guy I'm sort of struggling to get a feel for right now, Chris, would be Jalen Glover. I think he's always had really positive things to say about South Carolina. Gave very positive feedback on the visit. We talked, we did talk about him a little bit on Monday. But Florida finally comes in with an offer. Uh, did you see that today, Chris? Florida finally. Sure did. Finally. What are you, what are you waiting on with this guy? Yeah, that was a head scratcher. Like, w- literally, what are you waiting on? This kid is a stud. Um, Florida waits, waits, waits. Florida State has been on him for a long time. But, I'm, you know, I'm reading Florida State stuff. I don't know what their board looks like. Is Jalen Glover number one? Is he number number two, number three on, on their board as far as running backs? Don't know. So, it's a battle South Carolina can just stay in there and, and see where it falls. But I don't have a great feel for how all these little variables shake out. Uh, I will real quick, I'd like to say that while I had – McClendon's coach on the phone I said hey so tell me about Jalen Glover a little bit because they're teammates and he said uh, he said this kid is an outstanding football player and he said no matter how good of a football player you think he is and he is that good he's an even better kid Uh, he said it takes five minutes of being around him to realize how good of a kid um, that Jalen Glover is and just chatting with him that's the vibe you get it's just very well-rounded kid, um, very polite, very well-spoken. And so he, he's been a, an important target for South Carolina dating back to Des Kitchings. I don't know yet which direction this thing goes, but um, it'll be interesting to see if the Florida offer is like, oh, wow, here's another big SEC offer in in-state school, or if it's like, well, why did they wait this long? Yeah, it's a good point, and and I was texting somebody about that today, trying to kind of figure out, you know, because I even asked same person the other day, like, why has Florida not offered Glover? Like, are they are they recruiting him? And it's kind of like, well, he visited, but the other day, but not really. And then sh- a few days, I guess it was West after that visit that he took up there, unofficial visit to Florida. Um, you know, they ended up offering. So I don't know the ins and outs of that. They certainly have been recruiting some other running backs. Maybe they sense that they are not getting one or two of those guys or they're not as sure, and and maybe that's what prompted it. But he is a really good player. Um, You know, Florida State, Georgia Tech's been in there. Uh, Last official visit later this month, I think, is to Utah, Wes, randomly. Um, But South Carolina, I think, certainly a good visit. He's spoken highly about Monterio Hardesty. I think South Carolina helped themselves with Glover, but I'm I'm with you. That's the one where – I think it's a little bit tougher to peg it, especially because he does have others, other officials scheduled. Um, and because there are other, you know, there, there have been some other storylines in there. You know, if, if FSU does make a huge push, if Florida makes a huge push, you know, does that change things? But uh, South Carolina has obviously been on Ramon Brown really hard four star out of Virginia that took an official visit on uh the, the Monday when official visits started, but Glover's been a guy that they've recruited for a while as well. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see where that one goes, Chris. I uh, I don't know. If you're South Carolina, if you can get either one of those kids, you're, you're very, very happy. Um, two yeah. really good backs that can make a lot of things happen. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I tend to think, you know, nothing against Georgia Tech, nothing against Utah, 
I tend to think South Carolina can beat those schools on Glover if they if they keep pushing here. It's sort of the Florida State, Florida that I think if you're if you're Carolina, that that's where you really uh, the schools you're concerned about it at least as far as his recruitment goes. And then it comes down to again how hard are they pushing? What how do they see him? Where is he on the board? But I mean, good grief, man! This kid can do it all. If you if you can add one of these guys to a running back room that's already very very talented, then um, that that's how that's how you build actual true depth. That's how you build SEC depth. And for as long as I can remember, man, that has that's truly been South Carolina's football program. It's one of the downfalls of this this program has been the inability over the years to build true SEC quality depth. And when people ask us. Hey, why do you think it hasn't worked out? Why do you think South Carolina has had their struggles? To me, that that's been it. It's been the the lack of ability to to build true depth. There's some spots where you've got to, you know, we've talked about them. There's a need to fix the the first part of the rotation, but running back is one of those positions where um, that that is not the case. So, all right, uh, who else do we want to hit on, Chris? We, I don't think we've given much love to Ryan Brubaker as far as getting into his recruitment. Um, this is a guy that that uh, most people have kind of pegged early on because of his family connections as being a Penn State guy. Um, doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case anymore, Chris. Yeah, I think people looked at it and said, this is a Pennsylvania kid who's a four-star, and, and his father played for Penn State, and and therefore that's kind of what will happen. But, you know, Brubaker's a different kind of kid again. You know, that, that's another thing we talked about, like different kids – um, there are obviously different personalities in this class that South Carolina is recruiting, but Brew Baker is someone who has taken a different, interesting approach to his recruitment. He's just, he's not just looking at, I'm going to go pick a logo. You know, he's looking at uh, what are they? Penn State, South Carolina, Tennessee, Stanford, and Vanderbilt, I think. Those are schools. So you got some high academic schools, you got some kind of SEC East schools, and then you've got, you know, Penn State out there, the in state school where his father played, but. I very much get the sense, Wes, that he's kind of looking at doing something different. Like that's just some of the feedback that we picked up. And not to say that it's a it's a done deal or done thing for South Carolina, but this is a highly anticipated visit. The feedback leading up to it, I mean, Brubaker did a virtual visit a while back, at least one, um, earlier in the year before recruiting reopened. He's been in really good, consistent contact with the staff built a great relationship with Greg Adkins, the offensive line coach. And then the the visit, you know, the feedback we got from it on all ends, it was outstanding too. So um, he's someone that I think South Carolina was already doing quite well with before the visit. After it, you know, trend line is, is still, in my opinion, up. Now he does have more officials to finish out the slate this summer, but I think South Carolina set the bar very, very high there. And, and I feel the same way. I don't know. We might get into him, you know, more here later in the show, Wes, but Stone Blanton. I think like if you're kind of looking at the guys that they moved up for, we talked about CJ Smith. I think Brew Baker, Stone Blanton, Antonio Kite, who you mentioned earlier, South Carolina, I think really helped themselves with all of those guys. Yeah, and Blanton, Blanton's another guy. I feel like I don't can you beat out the Mississippi schools? He's already committed to Mississippi State for baseball. What does that look like? I, I don't know. That was one I, you know, I don't have a great feel for it, but um Dude, that that kid's a player too, and on, on all sides, baseball, football. If you can stay in the mix there, certainly that's the type of guy you keep pushing for. And 
Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. I, I think um, you look at these guys and it's these are the right type of prospects. These are the right level of prospects. If you're in the game, you're not going to get them all, but um, these are the type of guys you, you want to have on your campus and, and have a shot with. And I, I think what we're seeing a little bit with um, with Greg Atkins, man, I, I think there was a I think there was a sense coming in, and I, you know, from the fan base and maybe from myself as well, that you're bringing in this older guy. He's been he's been everywhere, you know. He's been at all these SEC schools, and he was maybe I don't know, maybe finishing out his career at Marshall, and now he has another shot to get in the SEC. The the perception is maybe, hey, this is like an old school developer type. He's not going to recruit. But I think what you're seeing with Atkins, man, is there, there's a big personality here. He's a guy that connects well with kids. Um, offensive linemen, you maybe don't have to kiss their tails as much as maybe skill position guys just in general. Um, but so far, he's Man, he, he's had a, a, a good showing so far on the recruiting trail and, and watching him a little bit out there at camp, you can kind of see why why guys like this. You know, why guys like this guy, I should say. And um watching him with interact with some of the other coaches, watching he and the defensive coaches talk a little bit of smack um uh, with each other. So I uh I think fans are, are probably pretty pretty happy with what they're seeing from Atkins on the recruiting trail so far. Yeah, prospects have kind of taken a liking to him. Um, you know, Grayson Maines was an early land for Greg Adkins, who we saw him at camp, and um, he he certainly looked the part, looked like a nice early acquisition for South Carolina on the offensive line in this class. And then Brubaker, you know, is is another one, and, and there there are others certainly that they'll they'll need to land and are after to to try to look at closing out this class on the offensive line. But Brubaker's one where he's you know built a really nice bond. And you're right. I mean, you mentioned old school. This guy is old school, but like he's a blend of old and new school. He's coached for, I think he just finished his 30th year at Marshall last year, but he's still a guy that brings a lot of energy, the big personality. Uh, he's on social media a lot. So like he, he has kind of a blend, you know, of those two things of, of yes. Does he have a track record for developing? Yes. Um, but he's also someone that seems to enjoy, you know, the, the process of getting plugged into plugged into recruiting and, and developing actual relationships with his players as well. All right, so let's get into uh, – oh, actually, by the way, before we get into another prospect, new subscribers use code VISITS2021 to try Gamecock Central free until August. That's actually until August 10th, so you get a, a little – you get a third of August as well there. So if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening, if you're not a subscriber, then uh, please come try us out. Again, use the promotional code VISITS. 2021. Um, you can read all about everything that's going on recruiting. Chris, you and I will be right back out there. We got an early morning tomorrow, man. So seven on seven will be going on tomorrow. That's when teams come in. So you're not just bringing in prospects. Entire teams will be busting in. It's really an incredible, logistically, it's incredible how football programs pull this off because you got teams coming in from all over for seven on seven simultaneously you have O-line versus D-line going on. And so you've got that. That will be Thursday and Friday. Then you have a regular camp again on Saturday. Then next week there's 707 and O-line, D-line going on as well. So there will be plenty. If, you, if you're if you a recruiting nerd, come on over. We're going to have plenty of recruiting content. Or, Chris, there's a lot of people I've noticed. Try to have our pulse on the fan base. There's a lot of people I've noticed who sort of eased out of recruiting 
because they got kind of bored with it. The on-the-field product wasn't what they wanted. The recruiting was falling off a little bit. I've started to notice those people paying a little bit of attention again. Yep. They're getting drugged back in. They're really, you know, they're reeling them back in. If you're one of those people, it's okay. Come on back. The water's fine. Um, it's okay to get back involved because there's, if you want something to read during the summer, while there's not actual sports going on, come on over. Football recruiting is nonstop right now. We've got a ton of it on Gamecock Central visits 2021. A kid, Chris, that people on Gamecock Central have been reading a decent amount about would be uh, Irmo's Nick Emanwari, a kid that landed his offer from South Carolina this past week, had a monster day on the field. Uh, And, you know, we knew this was a big kid. We knew that he could run. We knew that he was probably going to have a good testing day. But I don't know, dude, that I anticipated this. If I had, I probably would have talked him up a little bit more. Um, Had a huge day at camp and now is back on campus for South Carolina on an unofficial visit today as we record this on Wednesday. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on a local guy who uh, now has, is starting to get some love and gets an offer from South Carolina? Well, this is one of those guys, Wes, that I think um, if we'd had more college camps, more camps in general, last spring, last summer, he'd be sitting here with a bunch of offers at this point. you know, And, and he has some. But he's he's one of the kids in the 22 class that kind of suffered because of that, because teams see the tape and they're interested in it. But they look at, at the stats where obviously he's a stat sheet, steep, stat sheet stuffer. Try to say that five times fast. Um, and then they look at the size and they say six, four. Well, is he six, four? And I think he is, you know, he's six, three, six, four. Um, and then we want to see him. We want to see what position is he? Can he move? Well, you didn't get that last year. Now, South Carolina, they were able to – they were supposed to get him in even earlier in camp season. He didn't make – wasn't able to make that trip, but he did make it last week and obviously put on a standout performance, like you said, that the size checked out, um, the movement, the testing numbers were off the charts. Um, this was a really, really impressive prospect. And saw at the beginning of his tape there, Wes, he had like five or six positions listed, and you feel like he could probably do any of those. But I think at the next level – big safety, or maybe even linebacker. Um, and, and this kid has a frame to continue getting bigger, put on more weight. He can run. He can cover. Really interesting prospect right down the road for the Gamecocks. Yeah, that might be the most positions I've ever seen listed um, <laughs> yeah. that are all on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, I think, from what I remember. But, dude, I I looked at him on – I don't remember what day. What was that, Friday? Um. I think it was Friday. I looked at him. It's like, man, that dude looks like a prototypical future SEC linebacker. Like just the frame. Now you got to find out, you know, is the physicality there? Is all that other stuff there? Could he still be like a safety or even like a big nickel? I know they have that spot in this scheme. Potentially, yeah. But I just looked at him. I was like, man, if it all came together, this oh, kid, yeah. could, you know, physically, if, if – if he can do the physical parts of playing linebacker and the instincts and then just combine that with his frame and his speed, his athleticism, then you could have a, a future starter, like a future standout on this defense if it works out. So uh, we'll see. I think South Carolina is obviously in good shape early on with the offer. I think North Carolina can move in. That's a school I've heard quite a bit about here, Chris. 
I've heard Missouri has showed some interest here. That's a school to keep an eye on. There's some other schools too, but those are two that, that I've heard were uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on. But South Carolina was some early, an early move there. And I, I think it's going to pay off any, you know, anytime the local guy, if you have him on your campus, you don't want to wait, right? Like if, if you're South Carolina and you wait and then North Carolina comes in, Missouri comes in, somebody else comes in, it gets, it gets complicated quick. So now if you're Carolina, you can always say, Hey, we, you know, we were, we were one of the first offers. We we're certainly one of the the big early offers, uh, the first big early offer, I would say. So, um, yeah, he, he's a guy that certainly, I believe, South Carolina has a chance to to add to this class. And all right, Chris, my last guy I want to talk about. And if, uh, if there's anybody else you want to throw in, we can. But uh, we may go a little short today. I'm driving the Jaden Bradford hype train. We got a chance to see him on campus on Friday. You're the conductor. Yes. Word, word on the street is that South Carolina uh, really likes him. He had a good day. And uh, then very shortly after, right, so South Carolina hosts Jaden Bradford on campus. He has a big day. Then he go. this is the Chapin quarterback, class of 2024. Don't roll your eyes about us talking about 2024 kids because – it happens early at quarterback. It's earlier than any other spot. So this is a kid that I believe um, has an extremely bright future ahead of him, Chris. He gets an offer from NC State, first offer of the process on Sunday, and he adds an offer from Georgia State. First two of very many. I saw him at one of Perry Orr's camps, thought he could deliver the football naturally, ball jumps out of his hand. The thing I didn't realize, man – is the athleticism here is off the charts, tested off the charts, ran a four five, I think for a kid that's a class of 2024 had a four, two shuttle had an insane broad jump, like, like NFL level broad jump. Um, He can jump up onto a 54 inch uh, box jump. I've been saying 52. It's actually 54. I found out. Um, And again, but it goes back natural passer. Great kid, great family, is about all the right things. Just remember this name because I think here locally and in the state and probably beyond, this is going to be a name to, to remember moving forward. Yeah, I would not be surprised if South Carolina ultimately did pull the trigger here. Not, not saying it will happen or, or when, but you get the sense it could happen. The feedback was really good. The testing numbers did catch me by surprise, Wes. I mean, Bradford's a guy who looks to pass first at the high school level. Um, he split time, I think, last year. Is that right? With with their starter uh, at quarterback, but he's obviously going to be playing a lot more for Chapin going forward. Their head coach there, Justin Gentry, who's seen a lot of high level talent throughout his career coaching in in the state of South Carolina, raves about this kid and says a lot of the same things you said, Wes, just athletically and and what he's all about. But talented passer. The numbers, though, testing to go back to that, they caught me by surprise with how good they were um i didn't i didn't think they'd be bad at all they were just really really good especially that broad jump was absolutely insane so that that was eye-catching and then the personalities there and then the the arm talents there too and he's still a young guy so lots of room to continue developing yeah he'll be fun to watch man i always i i that's probably one of my favorite parts of the job is seeing uh, you know, these players when they're sort of in the early parts of their career and then watching how much they improve and, and getting to see sort of their entire career trajectory. So 
Um, you know, I, I saw him at Perry's camp. I've seen him at a seven on seven practice. Um, I want to get over there. and I know Chapin's doing some seven on seven scrimmage type stuff right now as a team. I want to get over there and see him, but it uh, sounds like South Carolina was very impressed. I'm with you. I'd imagine at some point, uh, that uh, that offer could could come from the Gamecocks. Still early, but again, um, you know, much much like you know, you got Jaden Bradford, you got Jaden Davis um, up in Fort Mill, two really impressive uh, class of twenty twenty four prospects in this state. That now that Jaden Bradford has gotten his first couple of offers, both those guys already have offers. So it, it starts starts so early at that position because those guys quarterbacks commit early. That's just how it is, and uh, so, so he'll be that'll be one to go ahead and keep an eye on if you're if you're a Gamecock fan or if you're just a fan of of high school football in the state of South Carolina. Um, I think that's all I got for today, Chris. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on, man? I think I think we hit on it all, man, or not all of it for sure. But uh, whatever we did not hit on, go find it on Gamecock Central. How about that? Yep, and we will have uh, we will have plenty of we will have plenty on Gamecock Central. On Thursday and Friday and Saturday, camp continues. Camp rolls on. Come check us out. It'll be fun. There'll be plenty coming out from all this, and uh, the staff will be out there working hard to see what uh, see what we can see and, and see what the Gamecock staff is looking at as well. There's always a guy or two that pops up at camp, so you'll want to read about that on GamecockCentral.com. By the way, Chris, I don't know if we've pushed this much, but we do need to uh, tell our, our listeners out there about our friends at Primal Gourmet, by the way. PrimalGourmetSC.com. Use the code GCOCK20, and that will get you – what's the deal on that one, Chris? That's 20% off of your first order online, which I highly recommend doing. 20% off your first order. Um, we had lunch there. I guess it's been maybe three weeks ago or so now. Phenomenal. Tastes good, but it also – Healthy. If you're like me and you're trying not to be a fat, you know what? Then check out Primal Gourmet. I fight the battle every day of finding good tasting food, but that is not awful for me. Primal Gourmet is it. And also, if you're if you're a gym guy, if you want, it's a great pre or post workout meal. Get some carbs, get some protein, get something clean in you, but that also can give you some energy. That's the spot. Go check out Primal Gourmet. PrimalGourmetSC.com. They'll deliver. Um, you can do meal plans. Great. Just a great spot. Great people. Gamecock fans there as well. So check them out. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, come on over. GamecockCentral.com. Come hang out with us Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you all very soon. Appreciate you all joining, and we'll see you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 